Hi, I'm Colin Whiting. And I'm Dave Wagner. And this is My Mother the Podcast. Today, for some reason, we're talking about the American Baking Competition, <laughs> which ran on CBS for seven glorious episodes in 2013. <laughs> we watched hours of Jeff Foxworthy content so that you don't have to here on My Mother the Podcast. <laughs> Thing that's important to note about this episode that we're doing today is that this sure ain't your father's baking competition. No, this is an all-American baking competition for an all-American audience. Well, maybe, maybe you've seen your British baking show. I, I don't know your life. I, I've heard that that's a great British baking show. Is it great or is it just a Great Britain baking show? It would be an awkward title if they called it the Great Great British Baking Show. But maybe, maybe, maybe for clarity. No, I can't. I, I'm serious about the title, though. Is there ever been a flatter title for a show than the American Baking Competition? The American Baking Competition and Consortium. <laughs> like, it's like some. I get that. It's it's a 1960s band name. Yes, they they obviously wanted Bake Off, but it was like held. Uh, apparently, someone else held the copyright to Bake Off, like Pillsbury or someone. So instead, they just made it industrial. But like this is very clearly still using all of the the branding from the British show because we've got all the same music and everything. The same music. We got one of the same judges. We got the same format. We got the same. It's like a weird hybrid mishmash of Great British Baking Show and then America. So, like, the, the question I have is, why are we watching this show? Well, the Great British Baking Show, or Great oh, British God. Bake Off, <laughs> is kind of an immensely popular thing in America. I'm getting tired already. Oh, God, I'm getting tired of your bullshit. Oh. Is what I'm getting tired of. Oh. It's a really popular show. They crank out several seasons and holiday episodes now, and they've been putting up back seasons up on Netflix, and it's one of their better-rated shows. I mean, this thing's incredibly popular. And this was, I guess, the first American attempt at doing a version of the same. Do we actually know anything about Netflix's ratings? No, just what they tell us. So maybe somebody has watched The Great British Bake Off. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know because I've Nobody watched knows. a lot of it. But... I guess that doesn't I, Maybe Colin hasn't even watched it. We don't know. <laughs> so the American baking competition was not a BBC show. It was, in fact, a CBS show. And boy, was it. And you know what CBS means? Okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> when you said it wasn't your grandpappy's baking show, it's like, eh, it kind of is. It really very much <laughs> is. So here, here's what happens in this show. There are three bakes each week that's what they call baking yes it's a bake right so there's three bakes each week there's your signature bake which is like the each chef's specialty kind of a choose your own adventure bake and then there's a weird one called the technical bake which is like they're baking with half the instructions and they sort of have to intuit the rest of it 
And they're all baking the exact same thing, which is important to note. I guess. Uh, and then there's the showstopper, which is which I just have written wowzers in parentheses here. So you know <laughs> yeah, it's, it's supposed it's a to be like a, it's a big extravagant show off piece. It's not the kind of thing that you probably have baked before, but it's you know, it's this thing takes five hours to make and it's got thirty different parts and blah blah blah. What's important is there's a whole lot of time that each contestant can stand around talking about their dads who died. <laughs> uh, so the show is is judged by two judges, just like the British one. In this case, we've got Paul Hollywood and Marcella Valladolid, who I don't know from anything, really. She's a food editor. Yeah. Um, Paul Hollywood is from the original show. Marcella Valladolid is uh, the sort of newcomer, the American one. Paul Hollywood is ex- exceptionally Northern British. And neither one of them makes one bit of impression in the entire course of this seven episode run. Which is amazing because Paul Hollywood is like a really strong personality and he is phoning it in. One thing I like is the first, I don't know if you noticed this, but the first time they introduce Paul Hollywood... There is harpsichord music in the background. <laughs> well, and then what's-her-name Francine starts yelling about how he's the George Clooney of Bakers. Yeah, and you that was that was like a thing where you could tell that nobody else on set really agreed with this. That was kind of every time she opened her mouth, everyone was just kind of looking around at each other like, uh, we're doing this again, are we? Yeah, so Paul Hollywood is a, I mean, man, they sure are trying to make him a person we should care about. Yeah, he's kind of your... I mean, I like him a lot on the Great British Bake Off, but he's a curmudgeonly... He's he's a sharp guy. I, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but now that's a very good way to start a sentence, first of all. <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but I feel like Paul Hollywood is perpetually, like, one scene away from a Me Too moment that will go viral. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I I have gotten that impression. Even on the Great British Show, he's he's one. He's step just away borderline sometimes. on that thing. Yeah, he he can also be very mean, which actually was like one of my favorite moments in the show. Which is one of the guys' souffles has collapsed, and Paul Hollywood takes a spoonful of it, and just goes, "This is ridiculous." He's just so mad that he's there in Georgia, where this was filmed, by the way. That's sometimes how I feel about seeing Paul Hollywood is just being so <laughs> mad that he's there. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So, yeah, like, some of the contestants are very starstruck by Mr. Hollywood. Yeah, so we start out with, I believe, ten contestants? Or nine contestants? Um, uh, a lot of contestants. Around ten contestants. Uh, they get whittled down, so every every week, just to, to wrap up how the show is structured, every week one of them is chosen as star baker. They're the sort of week's best baker. The judges just arbitrarily decide. There's no points or anything like that. And then every week, one person gets kicked off the show, except for in episode six, when two people get kicked off the show, because the producers were like, wrap this shit up, we gotta end the show. And what's interesting here, and where it diverges from the British show, as I understand it, yes, is that at the end, they win a publishing contract and $250,000? Yes. And in the British Why? version, they win a cake stand. They they win a fucking pat on the head yeah, in the British one. Because the British one is supposed to be a competition among sort of amateur bakers, and they're all very nice and pleasant. And then one It's of about the cooking. Yeah. This, it's about the cooking. This one is it's a weird hybrid of like Great British Bake Off and Chopped. You know, they're 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 really hammering home it's not just that they're gonna win two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 
they're constantly interviewing these people about like, you know, that money would make such a difference in my life. I could finally open that bakery that I wanted to, or I could pay off my whatevers. I mean, oh boy, you guys are massively overstating how much this $120,000 you're actually going to get <laughs> is going to do. <laughs> but why, why is it got to be about the money, Colin? Um, because it's America. And the thing about Americans is obviously Dave is that we love competition. We love seeing people scrabble over each other to get to that, that pie in the sky that they're going to take all for themselves. It's just a big fucking Horatio Alger myth, right? It's the rat race, my friend. Yeah. Keep on running on that treadmill, little rat. Which is funny because this show failed massively and the british one which is a it very... did not succeed in the no, rat race it failed immensely and the british one which is like nice and sweet and pleasant and like an old grandma it, it's really successful that, that rat he he started huffing and puffing on that <laughs> treadmill and he had to take a break <laughs> i guess there is a new american one that's in its third or fourth season but i haven't watched any of it so it's just this this rat's giant belly is just rising and falling as he's sleeping on the couch you're really just enjoying images of a, a fat, out-of-shape rat, aren't you? A little bit. That's uncomfortable for me. Um, Another question I have in the format of this is, why can't they see their families and friends for several weeks? <laughs> this, this is a cooking show. This is not the Manhattan Project. Or were they not allowed to see their, their relatives mm -mm. for this? Oh in the God. final episode... It's a big deal that their family and friends are visiting because, like, Francine hasn't seen her kids. That's crazy. I, I didn't pick up on that. I thought they were just, like, they surprise flew them in or something like that. Because in the British one, they go home every week and they tell their family, like, here's what I did. I think we might have a hostage situation here. <laughs> do, you think, do you think, because we haven't really talked about it yet, do you think Jeff Fox were these orchestrating the whole thing? I mean, I've got to think he's doing something. He's not doing much in this show. He's because he's sure not hosting. Let's 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 sit down and do a deep dive on Jeff Foxworthy as the host of. Let's show. never say that sentence again. Let's do a deep dive on Jeff Foxworthy. Fuck. We got it. We have my, to. It's a, it's the centerpiece of this show. My question about Jeff Foxworthy, who is in theory hosting this show, <laughs> he's he's technically on the payroll. Is why is Jeff Foxworthy? Because redneck comedy tour or whatever it's called, blue collar comedy. No, tour. why? Why? Why is Jeff Foxworthy? Yeah, because money. Uh, I mean, he because he's he got... says, "Here's your sign," and then people will hand him a check of for ten thousand. So you all, you all know Jeff Foxworthy. He's he's a he's a guy. He's got a mustache. <laughs> I didn't he even says, like. He says a lot of stuff about you. If you do this, you might be a redneck. I didn't even write down what Jeff Foxworthy has been in because it was so obvious to me that if you're a person, you know who Jeff Foxworthy is. Is he's got he's kind of a I guess you'd characterize him in this as a gentle jokester. Yeah, it's it's again, we're talking CBS, man. None of these are are cutting at all. Not that Jeff Foxworthy's humor was ever all that cutting, but Jeff, my man Jeff He's got this look of dumb, fascinated amusement at all times, like <laughs> like he's watching like he's watching pandas. Yeah, it's, it's as he's talking to these cooks, especially when whenever they start talking about baking as anything more than just like 
putting some brownie mix in a pot of water or whatever. He just kind of stares like, oh, this is magic. That mouth drops open. He gets a little bit of starlight in his eyes. The only time that, and then the only thing that can snap him out of it is when he's just like, oh, I got to eat some of this food. It's delicious. He's like someone's child that wandered onto the set. Yeah, that's a lot what it's like. That's very much what it's like. And they, they put him in charge. Now, when taking notes for this episode, which I did a little bit of. Okay. Not um, too much, I hope. Most of what I took notes on were quotes from Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> uh, here, here's a very good quote from Jeff Foxworthy. Usually, when I hear the word meringue, it's my wife saying, what do you like better, meringue or my necklace? <laughs> now, that's... And that's... That's comedy. And then I died. I that, literally died humor. and I went to hell and I watched my body from <laughs> underground. And your body sat there and went, <laughs> It didn't. It didn't. This. It just sat there. That's basically his job Like on the this fucking show. rat on the couch <laughs> whose belly is still rising and falling. It's just gross. <laughs> No, his his job on this show is every every episode starts with him making some stupid ass joke, and then he just wanders around for an hour, wide eyed like a child, and then he makes some stupid joke and tells tells someone to go home as they sob, and then Jeff Foxworthy's done for the day. I think he's actually getting slower in his speech as time goes on. Maybe even <laughs> during the course of the run of this series, like he's just running at a different tape speed than everybody else. <laughs> I actually found here's actually one of my bigger problems with Jeff Foxworthy in this uh, show is is the difference between Jeff Foxworthy the character and Jeff Foxworthy the person and Jeff it's Foxworthy a lot. Jeff Foxworthy the character is this big outrageous like if you wanna sit your car in a lawn and let the weeds grow all over it you might be a redneck and in this show Woo! he's He's not doing that, though. He, it's, he's so sedate and so sluggish that it's like, I'm not the world's biggest Jeff Foxworthy fan. That's fine. What? But, but his character is at least a character. It's it's big. And Jeff Foxworthy's not playing his character in the show, so you're just left with this guy. He's basically just like any given listener's dad on a particularly bad day. Yeah, that's kind of what like. It, it, a listener's dad who didn't sleep well the night before, and he's kind of got that spaced out look. He's, he's still, you know, he means you well. There's no question there. But he's not bringing anything to the sort of conversation. No, he's got nothing to offer. Sorry, dads. <laughs> <laughs> and the real problem, then, is is on the original, and I'm going to keep coming back to the original, I'm sorry, but on the original, there are two <sighs> hosts and the two hosts can bounce off of each other, and they can make jokes, and they can talk to each other. They can split up and talk to different people. You see one, you see the other. This one, it's all on Jeff Foxworthy's shoulders, and those shoulders are real slumped. Oh, man, Atlas is just holding that globe up, right? He's not, though. That's the problem. <laughs> if you're going to have if you're gonna have a single host, it needs to be Atlas. It needs to be, like, a Steve Martin or someone, like, an impresario who can, like, run the whole thing like a carnival. And instead, you're left with this guy who really needs someone to talk to. Here's another Jeff Foxworthy quote. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, go. There's, there's so many of them. Uh, so he walks into the kitchen, and he says, 
it's smelling good over here. It's like that childhood memory. And I'm like, what childhood memory? <laughs> you know, what are you talking memory. about? The one. The memory from childhood. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me, Jeff Foxworthy? But see, and that's where, like, if it was, like, I'm trying to think of, like, who would be an outrageous choice. If it was Jeff Foxworthy and then, like, Keenan, and Keenan was like, what childhood memory? That would be a really funny bit. Well, you know, like, Michael Ian Black was one callback away from doing this show, is my guess. Or here's another idea. If you're going to bring Jeff Foxworthy on, fucking get, like, Larry the Cable Guy Dan Whitney on or something. Oh, like, uh, I can only take so much fucking embrace it is all i'm saying you know what i mean like and, hey Colin, would you like another, yeah, Jeff, Foxworthy another quote? Jeff foxworthy quote jesus fucking crazy so you in the last episode, yeah yeah so in the last episode you have to include a peanut in the first bake that's the only rule it's a very good rule that's the finale and fox right? yeah yeah foxworthy says i'd like to give you a tip take the peanuts out of their shells first <laughs> And there is just, like, very light, polite laughter. Like, it's That's, the lightest laughter. It, like, you look away from it, it's going to float away. There is a lot of that in this show. Um, the one that I actually had written down was when they're talking about, they're talking about a tart tatin, which is kind of like an upside-down cake-type thing. It's a, it's a French bake. And, and Jeff Foxworthy says, it's basically an upside-down tart. A tart that falls on the floor doesn't count. It's like, yeah, okay. I and like all of us just loses a little bit of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I go sort of a little towards hell, and I look up, and there's a second rat on that couch. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the, like somebody's got to do something about the fitness level of these rats. <laughs> also, get out of my house! What are these fucking rats doing yeah. on my couch? Get your own little rat house. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about these contestants. Not a whole oh, lot. Yeah, about we can talk about them. I I only remember. Day. A I remember a few of them. So who was who? Who did you? Let me flip it around. I have. I have Spin an encyclopedic. It. I have an encyclopedic grasp of these of, of these contestants. I'm so sorry. Which, who was your yeah. favorite? There's no favorite. Yes, There's you have to pick no one. Favorite. You have to pick one. No, that I do likes not. More than the rest, you have to. I don't. I'll tell you and who I mine was. Not. Who? I liked Elaine. Elaine was a middle-aged African I don't even know who the fuck that is. I was trying to explain it to you and your encyclopedic knowledge. Fine. Elaine was a middle-aged African-American woman who every time someone made a joke or, or did a little innuendo or something like that, she just looked at the camera like, fucking hang me. And I was like, yeah, that's my girl. Oh, oh you, mean, you mean Mama E. That's what Mama she called e? herself, was Mama I, E. Sure. Yeah. Um, she, she wasn't great, but at least she understood that this was terrible. She was the grandmother who drew, who owns and drives a muscle car, and that was her branding. Well, the branding in the show is awful, by the way. It's something. Um, we've, got, we've got James here, and he's 26. He's the That's his guy? brand. Yeah. So he's, he's 26. Yep, he's... He's your hipster. Uh, He's got a big beard. The end. I mean, he'd be, like, the worst example of a hipster ever because he's, like, n there, there's nothing about him that's very hipster other than his beard. Dude, can and I just, can we pause before we talk about more contestants? Because at the in the beginning of the first episode, Jeff Foxworthy's like, 
We scoured America looking for the best amateur bakers, and you won't believe where we found them. And it's like we found them in like an accounting office and a fire station (laughs) and like all the normal places you would find people. (laughs) It turns out we found them in the 10 largest metropolitan areas in this United States. (laughs) Doing some of the most common jobs. And James's quote in the first episode that got used in the trailer is, I'm here to prove that guys and young guys can bake. Oh, yeah. Because apparently there was, there was some question as to whether 26-year-old men can follow a short series of directions. Oh, no, dude. That's not what we're talking about. He's not saying that 26-year-old men aren't capable of baking. He's saying, well, I'm here to show them that real men can. Yeah. Okay, James. It's terrible. And then we have Francine. Speaking of terrible. We have Francine, whose brand is that she is southern as shit. She is like Paula Deen cranked up to 20. Uh, Her quote that she really clearly intended to get into the trailer, and it did, is, Nothing I make is low calorie. Do I look like I eat low calorie? She's the one that's giving Paul Hollywood chocolate-covered bacon and all sorts of other garbage bullshit. This woman really leans into her brand. Oh, yeah. She's the most, I would say, probably the most memorable. Not necessarily likable, but she's the one that oh, sticks gosh, in... Oh, goodness, no. Yeah. She's the one that sticks in the back of your mind and makes you cry a little. And another one of her quotes is, I love pie. <laughs> that's it. Yep, this show really leans into that, too. It's like, it, it loves that she loves food. And we've got a firefighter named Jeremy. He's gone pretty quick. I literally and don't remember anything about him. We have Whitney, who is a 22-year-old student. And I only remember her because she had the very unfortunate quote of, My girlfriends hate me because I make them fat. People ask how I can bake all the time and be skinny. I'm just awesome. And you're just like, I just want to punch you. Disagree, Whitney. <laughs> Strong disagree. On that Strong little, disagree. That little thing where you have to click one of five boxes. I'm clicking the number one there. And we got Brian, who yeah. is around for a long time. In yes. fact, right to the end. Spoilers! Spoiler alert. The the arrogant asshole white male wins. Yay! Now, Brian is a house husband. Um... He's very tightly wound. Yeah. Like, every single word makes him roll his eyes and look panicked. And he's also just, like, he, he's so arrogant, and he's always talking about how he's going to be Star Baker, and he's going to win, and he's going to do this. And every time he gets criticized, he's like, well, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. He's a very unpleasant person. There, there's some kind of noteworthy exchanges with Brian. Um, Paul, at one point, says, Brian, what are you doing? And Brian is like, I changed the recipes. I oh, don't yeah. know why. <laughs> and again, Paul just kind of looks at me and goes, don't change our recipes. There's another one that I'll come to later that is one of my, the, the very few reasons to watch this show. Um, <laughs> and Jeff at one point says to Brian, and this is more a Jeff moment than a Brian. I moment. like that we're on a first name basis with Mr. Foxworthy, yeah. by the way. I mean, look, if you knew Jeff like I know Jeff. If you, you knew Jeff. If you knew Jeff, like I know Jeff. You might be a redneck. And he says to Brian, you look like a professor today. You've got the glasses on. (laughs) Full stop. There's nothing else to that sentence. You look like a professor because you're wearing glasses. 
this is apparently the Rick Perry school of etiquette that we've got going <laughs> on right here. There's not a, a lot of other interesting oh, people here. There's the guy. Um, who, there's the guy who gets kicked off in the first episode. What's his name? Hey, it's Carlo. Oh yeah, I forgot he existed. Carlo's like your scumbag, like Italian northeasterner who's just like, hey, I bake everything like the Italians do because I'm Italian, even though I born and grew up in America. I mean, where are you from, Carlo? Hey, I've been to Italy like eighty times. All right. My favorite Carlo and... thing. No, 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 no. My favorite Carlo. No, thing. we're I not found... done. No, because I found somebody who interviewed Carlo about the show. Why would you do that? Funsies. All right. And somebody asked, uh, you know, how hard was the technical bake? Which is like a terrible question. So mm. fine. But here's Carlos' very uh, detailed and, and insightful response. The technical bakes, and he uses bakes plural. No, Carlo, you did one. The technical bakes were challenging because you have no idea what to expect. It could be something you make all the time. Or something you have never even eaten. I don't know where we are here. It's we're just describing what the show is now. So there's the last person that I remember <laughs> is Colette. <laughs> Colette is interesting because she's a diabetic and she cannot eat what she makes. Which would so seem diabetic, like a major vegan. flaw. Diabetic yes. vegan. This might seem like a major flaw, and in fact it is because she gets kicked <laughs> off very quickly. Like, what? what? We, we scoured America to find the best bakers, and we found this one who can't well, taste any food. <laughs> who has well, to that eat plain green out. beans. I'm sure what they were going for was like, oh, but what if she makes it really far? It'll be this really interesting, weird story. But it actually it turns out baking without, like, eggs and butter is really fucking difficult. She's literally asking other people what her food tastes like. Yes, it's crazy. And... So fittingly, she had the good quote in the trailer that's, baking is baking. Oh, man. Have, have you ever just, like, thought about baking? It's like, you know, when, when you're high, man, like, your hands hey, you know what? Can, can touch everything but themselves. Wait. Whoa. <laughs> I've never seen a finger thing before. <laughs> Classic auto line. Hell Ooh, yeah. There it goes. So, uh, baking is baking. Yeah, and... Yeah, strong this, disagree. How, I'm hitting number one. Colin, how was this greenlit? How was this show greenlit? Uh, you had a really popular show in England, and then you had a producer who made uh, Survivor, The Apprentice, and The Voice, and so... Uh, that's a pretty Ooh, easy what about, sell. What if there was, like, a show that combined them? The Survivor Apprentice. I mean, The Apprentice kind of was Survivor, though. I mean, they're kicking people off. Every no, week, no. Right? I mean, they like, go out and do basically, what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at, is can we put Donald Trump on an island? Oh, that'd be fun. With no other people, but a lot of rats. Because I would not trust for those people's safety. <laughs> they're gonna be fine. We're all fine. This island is filled with natural resources. I don't even want I don't even want the fat rats there because he would he would screw them up somehow. These rats are too fat. We're taking he, their candy away. 
And so the basic idea of the Great British Bake Off yes. is like you're going to have like a calm atmosphere. We're not going to do any of this cutthroat competition shit. No, this will be something you can watch with like other people that aren't sociopaths. Oh. And yeah, and just, you know, so, sort of just sort of dig it and not have to worry about it. Because like maybe sometimes we don't want to watch something where there's like 16 9-11s happening at any given time. I need people stabbing each other in the throat nonstop if I'm going to get any entertainment out of it. I need to see a fucking skyscraper falling <laughs> down in every piece of entertainment I watch. It's actually one of the big theories about the Great British Bake Off's success is that it, it is a competition show. People are competing against each other to do better, but they're not trying to take each other down. In fact... Very often on that show, they help each other out. Somebody needs help. They can't do two things at once. Somebody's got a free hand. They they work it out. The prevailing dynamics in that in that show are you have the contestants, you have the judges, you have the presenters. And in in the Great British one, it, it's very often that the the contestants will be upset. They'll be crying. Things won't be going their way. And the presenters will rush over and try to... Um, make sure that they're doing okay. Other contestants will make sure that they're okay and offer to help out. And what you end up with is a very, even though the contestants are competing against each other, you end up with a, a dynamic of contestants versus judges. It's always this this dynamic of like, oh, fuck Paul Hollywood, you don't know what he's talking about. You people are my friends and I want you to succeed even at my expense. Do you think they mean it though? Yes. <laughs> okay. And in this show, when people start crying and sobbing, Jeff Foxworthy doesn't come over and comfort them and try to like oh, no. shield them from the cameras. The camera just the camera just goes close up on sobbing faces. And Jeff Foxworthy, there's one shot where Francine is sobbing, and Jeff Foxworthy is just standing in the back, kind of looming behind her, and just like not saying or doing anything. And I was like, he has no idea what to do. He doesn't know what my to do. My favorite about that part was Brian in the background, like he almost literally says like, "Who boy?" Yeah. <laughs> You know what my favorite was? I think it might have been Brian, and, and something's going really bad. It might have been James, but something was going really badly. Just just hell in a handbasket. And Jeff Foxworthy comes over to him, and he's just kind of like, oh, I, I wrote down this Jeff Foxworthy quote. Oh, well, good luck, buddy. And then he fucking walks away. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, I mean, effort made. Hey, good luck. Oh, that sucks. See you later. So, yeah, this is... This seems to miss the boat on the tone of the original series a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It has no idea. It, it, because it's still trying to present itself as that nice show, but it's not actually doing it. We, we get some go big or go home messaging from the first episode on. And it's yeah, like, that's yeah. not what I'm in this for. And again, combined with the whole like, now it's for real. There's $250,000 at stake in a publishing deal. Ba 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 ba. People are just sort of stressed all the time, and that's not very much fun. I don't remember if this is the case in the Great British Bake Off, but the music here is fucking schizophrenic. Like, it changes on every single word from the judges. <laughs> like, Francine? <laughs> the problem... <laughs> Is that you're too good. Just stop it. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of work to watch this show. It is. My like, emotions just. My emotions are, are just in a washing machine. 
and that's kind of like a tried and true tactic in reality shows is to 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 say like you know francine big pause dramatic silence you're staying on the island the best person at that ever is tyra is tyra banks in um god what is what is their show um I have no idea. The, 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 the model show. God damn it, I've forgotten it. I'm going to look this up in real time here. America's Next Top Model. Yes, 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 yes. You got to Google, fool. Yeah, and yeah, her thing was always like, Samantha, you're amazing. Come <laughs> up here and get your picture. It was, it was good stuff. So I'm glad that we had that delay for that bit because it was so, so very worth it. I thought that you were going to say that she was like, Samantha, you're amazing. Come up here and get your picture because you're going as I home. Tear it, <laughs> as I tear it in half. Because <laughs> that would be showmanship. Instead, we got Where Jeff this... Foxworthy just being like, dude, you know what was one of my favorite Jeff Foxworthy moments? Oh, do tell. It's the first episode and he says... He's got to, it's the very first episode, so he's got to give one person Star Baker, and he's got to kick one person off. And, he, and to the, before he kicks someone off, he goes, this is the part I always hate. I'm like, what do you mean always hate? It's the first episode, you've never done this before. Well, I mean, let's be honest, Jeff Foxworthy has lived many lives. I, is he some eldritch abomination? Just taking the form of Foxworthy? <laughs> you, I mean, you put it in that pejorative sense. Like... <laughs> He's, I, I see him as a respected elder who's, who's seen many things. Sounds like we got a little warlock over here. And yes, he practices the dark arts, but we, <laughs> you know, we all have little idiosyncrasies that make us human. I mean, haven't we all practiced a little of the dark arts? I know I have. The one thing that this does have in common with Great British Bake Off, I think, other than the entire format, yeah. is that the judges are characteristically very gentle. I It doesn't get nearly as harsh as I'm used to from reality shows. It's it's very sort of like, I wouldn't say kind, but... It's, it, it, like, the stakes, it's kind of like a weird fit because the stakes are supposed to be so high, but no, not, the judges are not stressing over these decisions because they're trying to kind of ape the format from Great British Bake Off. So it's kind of a weird fit. If you're going to go the, like, chopped route, you need to go the chopped route. You need to say that the stakes are big and the judges are mean and people are going to get hurt because people have big dreams that are getting crushed. And if you're not going to do that, then don't do that. Somebody's family is just going to be flat out murdered. Yes. Like, on Chopped, do you feel like some of those judges could, like... Yes. On Chopped, do you feel like they could go out and stab a person's family and be like, that's because your quiche was underdone? Plus, they have those video segments where that exactly happens. And in this show, it just feels like the contestants are expecting that. And then the judges come along and they're kind of like, oh, well, this didn't work. But, you know, but at least least the flavors are good. How much crying about baking can I really be expected to tolerate? Apparently a lot. The show is just it lingers on it and it feels dirty. It, It actually makes me feel a little sad about baking. Wow. And see, that's the opposite. You should want to bake. Yeah. You should be, like, excited about it. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. You're a boy. You're not supposed to like baking. No. Thanks, well, I'm not, I'm not 26. You know, <laughs> 26-year-olds. They don't fucking bake. Except yeah, for James. Fucking... <laughs> I'm the only one. Only James may bake. 
So should we talk about some things that we like and don't like about this show? Sure. I mean, I've been talking about a lot of the things I don't like, so. Uh, I, I think the technical bake is my favorite, just because no one knows what the fuck they're doing, and I like that a lot. It actually feels a little more like um, like a competition, like on kind of equal terms. It's sort of everyone has the same ingredients, the same flavors, the same everything. So when, you know, when fucking Brian is kind of like, I'm just going to double the amount of butter in this recipe, you're just like, okay, idiot. Like, So what they do is, like, Paul, I assume, because Paul is a dick. Right. I, I assume he, he's just taken out big segments of this recipe and saying, fill in the blanks, people. And one of my favorite things is purposely withholding knowledge from people to make a simple task more difficult. <laughs> and emphasis on the simple tasks, because a lot of the bakes that they are doing in the show are not very, they're, 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 they're difficult, but they're not like the Great British Bake Off has weird stuff. The show never really gets weird. Now, as you may recall, when we were talking about ideas for this podcast, one of my ideas was that we would have one of us try to explain an extremely simple concept (laughs) without being able to say certain words to do it. Right. So like you'd have to be describing water, but you like, you couldn't say wet. Right. Or damn. Moist any of those. Or or, yeah, something like that. So yeah, explain a simple concept without the tools that you need to do this. Right. This is sort of what technical bake is. It is kind of. And it, the thing I like about it too, is it really does, um, you, you you can't memorize the instructions in advance and you can't have a printed out sheet and you can't, you know, you kind of have to know about things. So in the souffle one that we should talk about, for instance, some of the contestants know that when you're baking a souffle, you cannot under any circumstances open the oven door. And No, because then gremlins are born. Right. And one of the contestants doesn't know that. So he opens the oven door and he takes his souffle out for like two seconds. And all of a sudden you got fucking gremlins everywhere. Yeah. And they're fucking eating whenever they want. And they're, they're talking like. <laughs> my, my wife doesn't understand why I think gremlins 2 is so funny, by the way. I've never seen gremlins 2. You get the fuck over here. Shit, you look like you're about to jump up and I'm start so, fighting me. I'm so angry right now. <laughs> you're only about an hour away now. I know it's so good. I will watch I it. I, not, I, I've got I have no moral I I objection to watching Gremlins. I think too. I own that movie. Another thing that I like about this show is one incident in particular, mm-hmm. where Brian goes outside and picks stuff from the garden outside the studio <laughs> and puts that in the food that the judges are eating. <laughs> When the judges find out about this, they are not pleased. (laughs) They have to explain to him why you cannot simply go outside (laughs) to a random place and take a plant and make a human being eat it. Because there are pesticides, Brian. Brian, there are pesticides. It's just farming, man. That's what what we're talking about here. They still ate it. Well, it's like a lot of times, like, Paul Hollywood will be like, this is underdone and the eggs are raw, but I'm going to eat it anyways. Because he's a man's man. And that's why Paul Hollywood died in 2013. I know, he just keeled over on that couch. His little whiskers twitching. His belly rising and falling with an arduous effort. (laughs) Um, I think maybe my absolute favorite moment of the show was from the season finale. And I think it's another... Because it was over! High five! (laughs) 
No, I think it was another Brian moment. And <laughs> he forces Paul Hollywood to eat Pop Rocks, which Paul Hollywood has never done Oh, before. I, I love this part. Yeah. Because Paul Hollywood is like this like very serious British man who's like too cool for school. Like this is the kind of guy who drives like nice cars, you know? And he's being forced to sit there and eat Pop Rocks. And the look on his face is just like, the fuck have you done to me? And Jeff Foxworthy has never found a thing funnier in his entire life as Paul he's Hollywood been bored eating this Pop Rocks. Whole show. He's been bored this whole show. And now he's just like, it's amazing. He is cackling. Now, we all say we hate the problematic contestants on reality shows. You know, like the yeah. really, really annoying ones, the game players and stuff. But do yeah. we really? Yeah, we do. But this, I mean, what I'm saying is this show could maybe use something. It could use anything. Because these contestants are not likable, but they're also not terrible people. So it's, there's nothing going on. There's no narratives underlying this. That's the real big problem with this show is that the, the, I mean, aside from the other 40 problems that we've already talked about is that the contestants <laughs> aren't, they're not likable. And it's, it's hard to make a reality show where you don't really want anyone to win. Like all we've got in terms of narratives here is like, um, look at this normal person who's now attaining a small level of fame. And I do not find that compelling. Not in the least. So in the show, you're left with this dynamic of just, like, watching unlikable people continue to be unlikable. Yeah, and look at them not do anything. Great. Oh, she's crying about her dad dying, like, ten years ago. Right, which is, like, it could be sad, but I didn't like her that much. But so why are we like... talking? But it's so obviously the result of, like, an interjected question strategically made to get that moment for no reason. Right, again, this is like, this is the chopped side of the show where it's kind of like, no, tell me about your dead baby so we can film you <laughs> crying. And it's just like, fuck, dude. Let's talk about the dead baby, Harvey. You just know this. <laughs> Harvey, you don't want to hurt the baby. You just know that some producer was behind that cameraman just being like, zoom in closer. I want to see those tears, Glyson. Now, another thing. This is like my, like, my my uh, Andy Rooney thing here, apparently. Another <laughs> thing I don't like about this show <laughs> or about these shows is that right. the short-term narratives tend to trump long-term narratives. So, like, the fact that someone's having trouble this week becomes an important narrative in the show, but it it's never followed up on. So we just have all these isolated moments of struggling and success with nothing linking them together. So, like... The competence level of the chefs changes by the week based on the needs of the show. And it's all just based on creative editing. So it all starts to feel really arbitrary. Like, oh, suddenly he, this really good chef can't bake things properly. Yeah, and I, I'm sure part of that is like the types of baking. Because like baking bread is so much different than baking, let's say, cookies. But like... You're right in that the, the editing, you can tell, is just so forced in in order to conform to these narratives that you almost get that feeling, and this is not unique to this show, but when somebody's, like, doing kind of bad this week, that they're going to pull it out in the end, you know? And you're just kind of like, yeah, but that's not really how life works. It just feels hollow. It's all structured to create what I call cicada moments, because there's this <laughs> noise 
there's a noise that all these reality shows use when something goes wrong. That's like, and it sounds like cicadas. And that's and what this is all about is creating those moments where something unexpectedly goes wrong and it never has any long lasting relevance. It's just to create arbitrary tension in this moment. There's not really a thread to follow. It's, yeah. yeah, so, like, the only thing you're following is their backgrounds rather than, like, their ability. And the ability should be the thing that's interesting, but there's no consistent yeah, the ability. The show isn't about their backgrounds. So all we talk about is, like, what they did before this, and none of that is interesting. Or relevant. It's not what the show's about. What else do you like or not like? Um, I really didn't like that this show basically assumed anyone watching it was a dumb idiot who didn't know anything about baking. No, because you're a master. That's right. I am a master. That's not true. It's almost insulting sometimes, though. It's it's even... It's like week seven, and we've already had a whole episode dedicated to bread. And in week seven, they're telling me about, like, uh, when you prove something, it means you're letting it sit so that the yeast can react and make the thing rise up, and it creates gases, and that's what... what I'm like, Slow I know! the fuck down, Colin. We've talked about this on this show before, and it's not... It's like one of the simplest things in baking. There is a lot of dead time in this show. A lot of dead time. That's... It's a lot. And I don't, like, cooking shows are often like that, but, you know, good ones sort of find stuff to talk about. This one does not, and they sort of just stand around a lot and, like, make crappy jokes to each other. And the contestants don't really interact that much with each other, so when they have dead time, they're not really joking around, and they don't seem like they're friends with each other, so... Oh, they not, like, clearly watching. do not like each other. No, and in, again, in Great British Bake Off, it's like, they're kind of, like, friends with each other, so when there's dead time, it's like watching friends hang out. And in this one, it's like watching people who don't like each other sit silently oh, awkwardly. What, what, what? Why would they like each other? Because, like, they're, they're taking each other's $250,000. Plus, they're all kind of assholes, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brian. Brian, especially. Speaking of things involving stupidity that made me upset. Mm hmm. This show, they scoured America to find the best amateur bakers. Did you think that these were the best amateur bakers? I find that hard to believe. N really? What uh what what clues led you to think that these might not be the best of the best? Um I think the first thing I would think of was that James didn't know what a souffle was. <laughs> right? Like it, it's it's so much worse than that too cuz cuz to make to make it really clear how unlikable these characters are. James says uh I think I saw a souffle on a cruise ship one yep. time and I don't remember what it looked like. Yeah, well, well fuck you too, James. Glad to see you're taking your profession seriously. So we've scoured we've scoured America to find its best bakers, and we found a guy who goes on cruises but doesn't know what a souffle is. I mean, scour is a very subjective term, I think. I don't even know if they use it, because I think I'm just using it, but maybe they just use search. They didn't search very hard, though. <laughs> it's like, we posted an ad on Indeed.com, and the first ten <laughs> people that responded... <laughs> I have one unanswered question. Oh, yeah. And that is, how often did they have to make Jeff Foxworthy re-record saying ganache? Probably a lot. He also has a lot of trouble with tart to tan. It's just a tartan. You can tell those were not the only times he had to say that. 
No, you could, t- and that's probably why he looks so bored and like unhappy. Is he's just like, oh god, we have to do this again, don't we? There exists somewhere just hours and hours of this footage of Jeff Foxworthy mispronouncing cooking terms. And all of the contestants, instead of like having a good chuckle, are just kind of looking up like, Jesus fucking Christ. Man, we're going to have to. It's like it's like a jury duty when one guy is holding out and you're like, oh, God, we could be here all day. Oh, my God. I don't want to stay in this hotel again. Uh, You know what I want is for them to release the director's cut. Oh, man. Of American Baking Company. That's what that's what I need. I need two hours per episode. That's what I was really I, I lacking want the in my Zack life. Snyder cut of, of American Baking Competition. Because having seeing your soul go all the way to hell wasn't far <laughs> enough. <laughs> Had to go beyond hell. No, there must be 11 9-11s happening at the same time that they're having this competition. $250,000. So what do you think? What do you think would make this work, Colin? I was actually thinking about it from the flip side, which is I like know why. you have a lot of thoughts on this. I I got one main thought, which is which is why it didn't work. Um, aside from the thirty thousand things that we already talked about, um, the original is, as I've said, quite popular among a certain set of Americans. By which I mean mostly urban people you, watching possibly PBS, entirely you, yes, possibly me. Watching Netflix and PBS, living in cities, everything's very bright, cleanly lit in the show. It's blue and white. It's very, it's living it's in charming. your living in your bubble. Living, living in, in my bubble. bubble, yeah. And this this show is clearly aimed at the other bubble. It's it's got this like country home kitchen feel to it. The the lighting is very yellow and brown. They've got wood tables instead of you know marble. They've got. Uh, red checker curtains. They've got a bunch of southerners, and it's just it's you supposed know, to be a very southern type show it just reeks of a lack of public transportation these people are driving ford f-150s yeah yes these these are people that have to drive 20 minutes to see their friends every day so what's ridiculous about that to me is that you have a built-in audience from the original and instead of making something that would appeal to that built-in audience you've made something that won't appeal to that built-in audience and will appeal to an audience that really is like "Eh, i don't know about this to begin with one thing we've learned on this podcast is creating a good show is both so much easier and more difficult than you might think right (laughs) because it's so like you've got you've got something that could work and has worked and yet you've figured out a way to make it not work let's let's not do that let's do the stupid thing let's let's take the thing that's successful and change all of those elements so that it can be unsuccessful i have a very controversial and this is going to be edgy as hell oh so so beware twitter.com twitter are you ready at him oh i'll say it Mm -hmm. afterwards I think this needs more Jeff Foxworthy. It does. It needs Jeff Foxworthy, the character. It yeah, needs uh, it. I need, I, like, even more of what he does here I could use. Like, more awkward yeah, Jeff Foxworthy would make this show better. And that is not a statement that I make easily, sir. This is what I was saying earlier about Larry the Cable Guy. If you're going to do it, then do it. Don't go half-assed on me. That, this is the thing. It's like... If this were if this were like a rideshare app and and Jeff Foxworthy you know picked me up to take me somewhere, I'm giving Jeff Foxworthy a higher rating right now than I would before I saw this show. Sure, I hate him a little bit less. 
I do because it. He's so bad in this and doesn't care, but he's also just kind of like you can tell he's just a little bewildered by the whole thing. And he's he almost fascinated. Feels, yeah, you, like you, this is all a whole new world for him. You feel a little paternal to him, almost like, oh, look at this little guy. If somebody insulted Jeff Foxworthy now, I would punch them in the face. <laughs> wow, you really like Jeff Foxworthy. N- not, not really. It's just, it's not your right. It's not your right to say that about Jeff Foxworthy. I think I think if somebody insulted Jeff Foxworthy, I'd say like, uh, he was on this weird cooking show once. It wasn't very good, but he was kind of all right. Y- you'd write a strongly worded letter to the editor. <laughs> Listen, on episode six, he made a fork and attached it to a long stick so that he could eat pie from three feet away it was a good (laughs) gag it would be one of those letters to the editor with a really snarky first sentence (laughs) you might have seen last week's letter from blank (laughs) what he failed to grasp (laughs) i was surprised that there was no jeff foxworthy One oh, thing that boy. shocked me about that letter. <laughs> oh, man. I also, again, as I suggested earlier, I could use more problematic contestants, which is a thing in reality shows I generally hate. Right. But boy, did they need some drama. Give me, if you're not going to, again, if you're not going to give me likable contestants who all enjoy each other's company, then give me contestants who really hate each other and are fighting each other instead of just kind of like, this is, you know what this felt like? This felt what like a school like? classroom. A little bit. Like everyone's just kind of everyone's kind of sitting there and they're all doing their own work and they don't really want to talk to each other. Which is sort of like middle school home ec, I think. That's what this show felt like. Middle yeah. school home ec. Where it's like this is the easiest part of your day and so like you you, you really are you're you're all about this hour because it's like after this I have to go to gym and that's a nightmare. But right. Before that, it's like the only thing I can do is play volleyball. Like that's the only thing I'm actually good at because I can serve. Can we do Foursquare again? That would be cool. But like they're gonna make us play basketball, and this is gonna be horrible. I'm gonna have to wear shorts. Oh, you don't want to wear shorts? Oh no 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 no! Fat kid holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So like you've got uh home ec, and it's it's nice. It's pleasant. Nobody's really ragging on you at all. Like the teacher at most says, you know, you you, you might want to clean that up right now instead of waiting to the end. Right. That's what you want from these shows. But the critique is like your eggs are too overdone. Oh, yeah. There's no criticism whatsoever of the final product. But you're not you're not talking to that guy at the next table. Like you're both making eggs and nobody wants to be making eggs with some other guy next to you. Yeah, you you do want that calm feeling from these shows, but you don't want to watch them for seven episodes where nothing is happening. There's a big difference between calm and boring. Very wise. This show this show took a this show took a calm show and made it boring. Yeah, it's a it's hard to take. Like my attention span is is not doing so great these days to begin with. And <laughs> Making it through a whole episode without suddenly going on Twitter was pretty tough. Yeah, it was. I was. I wasn't very focused. Obviously, as we talked earlier about, I was like, "Well, they kept away from their families for seven weeks." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, maybe I, I didn't made that, that thing. Ma- they... Yeah, like maybe that's something my brain made up to stay amused. Like this is actually just something they're they're being kept in this camp. It's hard to tell with the show because I wasn't really invested in it for many many reasons. 
The last thing I can think of that is a huge problem here is the judges. They are not compelling at all. Uh, And especially... Sorry. Paul is checked out as hell, and he should be compelling, but he is not at all. And yet, and yet, we've been talking about Paul nonstop. Can you tell me a single thing Marcella said or did? Oh, God, no, I cannot. She's Um, not there. She's just a body that's but it's like there's so many eccentric food people you could throw on a cbs show yes have you ever watched iron chef it's always like two crazy outlandish judges and then some celebrity like well celebrity like food network has their food network star competition every year and then does nothing with the winner of that competition throw him on this show yes go grab grab the cast offs of the food network there's going to be someone who's outlandish and weird and fun to watch. Find the guy, find the sandwich king from Food Network Star and just throw him in there as a judge. It would be Great, better. the sandwich king is here. Fine. I, yeah. It's, ah. Uh... Boy, is that show a scam, though, Food <coughs> Network Star. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we used, we used to watch this when I was in grad school, um, my wife and I. And, like, they would promise them a show every year that show would never be seen anywhere. Like, of course they'd not. Win the, and then they disappear. Did you ever see Brian's cookbook from Simon & Schuster? Oh, Jesus Christ, no. I didn't even look it up because I don't care if it's been published or not. Yeah, Brian won this competition and it's not... It, like, that's probably the worst possible outcome. I hate Francine, but she should, She was pegged from day one as the winner. Like, it was obvious for that sure. everyone was pulling like, for Francine because she's the big, butter-loving Southern gal. She's she's our fucking James Carville making butter. <laughs> she's just like, she's the ringer. And, and I. it's like, on the one hand, I'm glad that the ringer didn't win. But on the other hand, it means Brian won. And that's just unpleasant. And Brian just looks uncomfortable for seven straight episodes. <laughs> It's just uncomfortable and arrogant, and then he wins. Great. I feel Which, I feel a lot of satisfaction at that. Yeah, this is uh, starting to sound a little bit like the Democratic primary, am I right? <laughs> oh, boy. Ooh, yikes. Uh, wah, wah, wah. So, would, would you recommend this no. terrible show? Oh, <laughs> I would not. Show sucks. Um, I was kind of hoping that it would just be like a lesser Great British Bake Off and I would enjoy it, but not as much. And instead, it was just a much lesser Great British Bake Off that sucks and was boring. I was thinking at the very least I would get some impression material out of Foxworthy and and Hollywood. There's very little to work with here. Because, again, Foxworthy's not playing Foxworthy. He's just being Foxworthy. And Paul Hollywood is just clearly like, ah, whatever. So you got nothing. So I am also a no on this one another straight no from my mother the podcast which has a whole <laughs> lot of those we'll have another yes again someday from dave i've got a lot of yeses but i mean i'm a very selective man uh, but i'm a monster I'm th- that's accurate you, you yeah. approved of star wars droids that show fucking rules you got outvoted it, on that show yeah and i'm never having kyle back on here again do you hear that kyle <laughs> ever no, we're going to have Kyle back. We're going to do it. Kyle isn't allowed within like 20 miles of this podcast from now on. Foot down. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's just rude. 
This is how I repay people who appear on our podcast. So, hey, if you're interested, let us know. <laughs> All right. If you want to get a hold of us, check out that old Twitter feed. That's at my mother podcast. You can also email us directly. That's my mother, the podcast at gmail.com. Someone might someday. Some Someday. I haven't checked it in a while, actually. Probably should. Uh, I, I haven't either. Um, we have a Facebook page. Oh. It's My Mother the Podcast. Okay, boomer. Facebook is, is very, very helpfully telling me whenever we get a view on it, which is a little depressing. Um, <laughs> but if you want to help the podcast, which you do. Oh, yes. You, oh, you, you sure really, do. You really do. Like, you feel it in your heart. Help. You feel it in your heart, Help and I don't know what me. that feels like because I don't have one. Help me. Colin just does that. Yeah, like all day. Dave has to put up with a lot of shit for me. So you should go to iTunes or whatever the successor app is of iTunes. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. Apple Plus Podcast Extreme. Oh shit, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good piece of software. Uh, uh, Apple, you can pay me my advertising money anytime. Yeah. Um, you can go to that, whatever it is, give us five stars, and you should because you've enjoyed the hell out of this podcast and you know it in your soul. Hell yeah. What should they comment about? They should. Okay. Give me your favorite recipe. I No, what they should do. Oh, no? All right. Is talk about how much they hate Tobey Maguire's face. Wow! Out of nowhere, we get an hour into the show, we're just ragging on Tobey Maguire. Yeah, I couldn't sleep last night, and I made the mistake of putting Spider-Man 3 on, and that's wow. not happening again. You know what I'll say about Tobey Maguire? He's yeah. no Topher Grace. Superior guy. Looks kind of the same. Topher Grace is great. Come I wish Topher. he had a career. I wish he had Tobey Maguire's career. Topher, if you're listening, you can come on the show, unlike Kyle, apparently. Yeah, so our next show is going to be us and Topher Grace talking shit right. about Tobey Maguire right. and James Franco. <laughs> we'll find a Tobey Maguire single season show. We'll bring Topher Grace on. Yeah, and like, Franco, you're not getting off easy here. <laughs> We're not going to talk right. about that James Franco show, though. Not that one. Ever. I don't I don't know what we're Freaks talking and, about anymore. Freaks and geeks. We're not watching. Oh, we're that's right. Yeah, yeah. Show. We're not talking about that one. No, no, ever, no. ever. You you can keep it. You can keep that thing. You can put it in your lunch bag. And you can take it to your soul destroying what? office. Oh, uh, okay. And eat it there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, take it easy, everybody. Um,